0: we're starting a new series. It's already up here. You can read it. It's called Puzzles, A real answer to life's puzzles. Relationship series, but we're not talking about husbands and wives and stuff like that. We're going to talk about this. First thing we'll talk about this morning is how do I deal with the people that I'm in authority over? Because, you know, we have to operate. Everyone at some point in their life is over someone. They're They're in authority over someone, and everybody at some point in their life is in authority underneath someone. And those are very difficult and tricky situations. We, I came to this sermon series because I was riding down the road talking to my wife, I don't know, a couple, three months ago. And we were talking about the difficulty she's had in her work life sometimes, being able to balance how do I, how do I operate in the authority I have over someone at work but still make sure I'm showing Jesus. And so what this entire series is going to be is about how do I navigate difficult circumstances, difficult situations, and still maintain my testimony because the last thing we want to do is, is alienate people, but you still have to be able to hold situations accountable to the people who are underneath you because you're responsible by God to do so. So it's a challenging, that's a challenging walk. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at four keys to proper leadership and the use of authority. we to define authority really quick out of the dictionary. Authority is the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. And the other definition of that, and I love this one, is the power to influence others. See, God-given authority is given to us in order to be able to be influential. Not in order to put our thumb on people, but in order to influence them for growth in their own life. If God sees fit to put you in a position of authority, whether it's at work, whether it's in a church setting, whether it's in a ministry setting, it's because he trusts you to be influential to the people that he has put you over. So let's dive into these four keys. We're not going to be here a long, long time. Y'all all know we're eating. Jesus didn't preach to hungry people. And I, I don't have five loaves and two fishes, and if I did, I don't think I could break them. I think I'd probably just eat the fish. Depends on what kind of fish you do. I've lived here my whole life. I'm picky about my fish, man. All right. Four keys to proper leadership and use of authority. Philippians chapter uh, what chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 3. Never mind. I got it wrong on my deal here. Do nothing from self selfishness or empty conceit. The Amplified says through factional motives or strife, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous, regard others as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. So the first key to proper leadership and use of authority is this. Proper leadership and use of authority requires that we be selfless. A good leader or authority is far more concerned with the welfare and success of those that he or she is over than with their own welfare and success. Good leadership is saying, I'm more concerned about my team that's underneath me and their level of success than whether or not I'm successful. Because I'm going to tell you, here's how this works. If God has placed you over people, if they rise to a level of success, a rising tide lifts all boats. See, a successful leader has to have successful people that he is leading, or by the definition, he is not a successful leader. And what does that look like? It looks like, okay, I don't wring all the good I can out of somebody. There are whole industries in our country that are built on hiring someone, wringing all the good out of them, and then discarding them so that they, so that, that company can advance. And then you know what they do? They just find a whole other crop of people that they wring the good out of and move on. But if God places us in a position of leadership, Christian leadership is not stepping on heads to get ahead. It's bringing everybody along with you. If we're not bringing everyone along with us, we're not actually leading. We're just using. If we're not leading people, we're using people. Man, I've seen that all my life in the church world. Where people are working in a church and they're just being used, man. We, we, we'd, go, we'd go over an abundant try here to make sure we recognize the service of every person in this church. Because as one body, we all serve together. And listen, the hand can't function without the foot. Well, whatever team you may lead at your job or in your home. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Every person, The men in this, in this house who are supposed to be leading your home, if your home does not feel valued, then you're not leading, you are using At work, if your team does not feel valued, you're not leading, you're just using. See, we live in a culture where people will step on people to get wherever they need to get. They will take advantage of people. They will oppress people. They will press people down and push people down to try to get to the next level. But the way God has us to lead is you take people with you where you're going. See, the children of Israel were led to the promised land but they had to be led. They were led across the Red Sea, but they did not push. Listen, there was no place where they crossed the Red Sea leaving Egypt where where Moses stood on their shoulders and they walked through drowning while he got above the water. As God directs leadership, he opens doors, but those doors are wide enough for everybody. They're wide enough for everybody that we're leading. Let's keep moving. Luke 12, 48, second half of the verse, says this. From everyone to whom much has been given, much will be what? Required. And to whom they, whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask what? All the more. To whom much is given, much is required. Much is required. Here, we can see it here. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will what? Ask all the more. Okay, so what does it look like here? Key two. Proper leadership and use of authority recognizes the weight of God-given authority. If you are in leadership and you are in a position of authority and you don't feel like it is a weighty thing, you are not taking it seriously enough and you are not looking for the best way to lead. I will never forget the morning I woke up in 2010 after I was installed as pastor of the church when my dad retired from pastoring. I, I felt like I couldn't even get out of bed. I had, I had served in ministry with dad for years. I'm like, I'll be fine. I got this. Rick, you know what I'm talking about. You take on that weight of of, of lead pastor of a church and the responsibility for preaching to people and teaching people about the, their soul salvation and the necessity of that, man, it was like, And you can rest assured there is not a single thing that we ever do at this church that I don't spend hours in prayer and prayerful consideration listening for the voice of God because here's the deal. No matter what we may be going to do, I'm not worried about how you guys look at me. In the end, I'm worrying about how God looks at me because I have a responsibility to carry that weight well. Amen. To carry that weight well and to lead and to lift us all and to lift all boats. But there's a weight to it. Cody, there's a weight to running that business. Because you get up in the morning, you realize, hey, there's people who are dependent on me to make sure I get the work we need in order to make sure that they get paychecks. Because every morning, you got to realize you're responsible for putting food on many, many tables. But there's this weight of responsibility and what leadership, real godly leadership and authority, it recognizes that I'm here because God has placed this in me and placed this ability in me to lead. But we recognize, we recognize the trust that God has placed within us. The trust God has placed within us when he places us in position of leadership or authority and the capacity we truly have to see the task to completion. See, if we're going to lead, if we're going to walk in authority, we have to recognize that God trusts us. He trusts us. That's how, that's, sometimes that's hard to fathom that the God of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth, said, I trust Cody McDowell to run this business. But see, it's not just that he trusts you. He trusts what he put in you. Because in a true leader, a true person of authority, there is a capacity to finish the task. Because if that leader does not have birth in them the capacity to finish the task, where are they going to lead to? A leader has to be going somewhere that has been ordained by God. As a leader, I have to set, to set destinations, set goals, set plans for where we're going as a ministry, as a leader in your businesses and in your jobs and in your home. We had a whole thing of several Wednesday nights ago with the men about what's the vision for your house. God's called you to be a leader. He's had to give you a vision. And if you have this vision, you have within you the ability, the capacity to bring that to completion. And so God is not just making a demand on you, but he's making a demand on the deposit he put in you as a leader. He's making a demand on that deposit he put in you as a leader because he knows he put in you the ability to fulfill that task. And he trusts you. But we have to not take that trust for granted. Can't take that trust for granted. We have to understand the weight of that. Let's look at number three. Psalm 78, 70 through 72. Verse 70. He also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. From tending the ooze and nursing young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So David shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them with his skillful hands. So what does that have to do with what you're talking about right here? Proper leadership and authority understands that we are learning things in the season that we are in to prepare us for the season we are moving towards. See, David learned how to be a king by learning how to be a shepherd. You're never going to be a king until you're a shepherd. He knew how to tend lambs, so it gave him a unique understanding on how to tend people. So the season of leadership that you find yourself in, it may be a minor season of leadership. You may not be leading hardly anybody, but you are supposed to be in that moment learning the tools necessary. See, if you're ever going to be a business that has 10 crews, you got to learn how to be a man who can lead one crew. If you can't learn how to properly lead one crew, there's no point where you're going to be a man who leads 10 crews because you've got to be in that season of leading the one crew so if you're a supervisor at work, over 10 people, if you don't learn how to tend to the ten, you can't ever supervise 100. But sometimes we get in these places where we get stuck in the idea that here we are, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm going to be doing, and there's nothing for me to learn because I know how to do this. See, if you're in a position in your job and you have decided, I know exactly how to do this, God can't take you to another stage because he has something he's got to teach you in that season and in that moment so he can take you to the next position of authority and leadership. So David learned that on a hillside. That's where they had to go get him when it was time to anoint him as king. When the prophet Samuel said "Test Jesse, do you have any more kids Well, we got the youngest one, but he's out there doing what? Tending sheep. Well, Samuel said, well, you better go get him because we can't do nothing else until at least he gets here. He walked in the door and Samuel said, that's him. Dirty little shepherd boy, been out there for weeks, tending sheep. And Samuel said, nope, that's the next king of Israel. And you know what he did whenever they finished anointing him? He went right back out to tending sheep. Because see, there's going to be times in your life where God begins to show you that next step. But until he promotes you to that next step, you have to stay faithful in the step he has you in. No, no, we got to stay there just a minute because we're all that. God shows us something, boy. God spoke to me today. He told me I'm going to do this. Yeah, but here's the thing. He's going to take you there. You can't go there on your own. If David would have decided he was going to march on Israel and tell Saul, here I am, the next king of Israel, he'd have been dead before he got in the door. Because it takes God's timing to promote. God will give you a picture of what it may look like, but you got to walk through the doors as God begins to open them. See, God, David may, God may have called David to be a king, but he was going to take him through the battlefields of Goliath and through the caves and through the pursuits to bring him to that place. But all the while, he's learning how to lead. He's learning, oh, come on now, watch this. David learned how to defend God's people Most famous encounter of David in the Bible is David and Goliath. People who've never been to church know about David and Goliath. They use the terminology in and, and, and sports. I mean, you got got casters that would not know a church door if it hit them in the behind. But they're like, this is a David and Goliath story. But look what David tells Goliath. He said, I have faced down, or he tells Saul before he goes out to face Goliath, he said, I have faced down a lion, I have faced down a bear. I know what it means to protect my sheep. He can't be a king if he don't know how to protect God's people, but he learned how to protect God's people while he was leading around a bunch of sheep. Amen. Nobody was envious of that job. You may be in a position of leadership right now that don't nobody will You couldn't give it to nobody. You're leading people nobody wants to lead, but God's teaching you something. God's raising up a king or a queen on that hillside So he can take you to the next phase, take you to the next stage. Because properly handled authority and leadership will lead to greater positions of authority and more leadership opportunities. Matthew 25, 23 says this, you have been faithful over few things. I will make you ruler over many. They're okay. They're not not walking out because they're mad. They're helping us out. Yeah, they're walking out because they're helping us out. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over what? Many. There's something about that verse that people, people like to quote that verse, but we don't really like to live that verse. Because there's a definition that God uses of being faithful, and that means consistent staying with it at all times. Let's think about that a minute. He says, when you're faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. He says, you've got to be consistent and stay faithful to what I've called you to and the few things. And what faithful means, it means consistent no matter the circumstances, no matter whether it's fun, no matter whether I like it, no matter whether it's going smoothly, I'm faithful to that. And he says, and if you're faithful over the few, I will take you to a position of ruler over many. So the real question is, in our leadership and our authority, what are we doing with the few? How do we celebrate the few? How do we view the few? How do we look at? Do we look at it as a real weight of responsibility, or do we look at it? Oh, I can do, I can do this in my sleep. Or are we trying to take the few and to pour into the few and to develop the few and to move the few to the next level when we move to the next level? So God says, if you can do this with the few, what can you do with the many? What can you do with the many? This is what godly leadership looks like, guys. This is what godly authority looks like. What am I doing in my station right now? What am I doing where I am right now that is going to allow God to promote me? You know what Matthew 25 is, right? It's the parable of the talents. The one, the one buried it the two went out and did something with it, and then God took the one the one from the one that had buried it and gave it to the one that had the ten. Why did he do that? Because he said, you have been faithful of what I gave you, so I'm going to give you more because I know your heart and how you lead. It's amazing how if you look around, you see successful leaders just become more successful. Well, they have a head start. No, it's because they have the blessing of God operating in their life because God knows that if you can shepherd people like this, if you can operate in this slice of your job or this slice of your business, then I can give you promotion because I know who you are in this, that as I increase you, you will be that all the more. But if I can't manage the five people I'm over, why would God put me over 50? Well, I've got seniority. Well, that just means you've been doing it longer bad. I mean, let's be real here. There are people in the work world that they have seniority, and all it means is they've been doing a bad job for longer. That's truth. So, why would God, who promotes, put us in a position to where He's going to move us to an elevated place, a place of greater leadership, a place of greater authority, if we have mismanaged where He has placed us? As a pastor, if I can't love and lead people where I am, why would God send more? I will keep moving. Keep moving. John 13, verse 13 through 16. Jesus, these are the words of Jesus in John 13. He says, And you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right in doing so, for that is who I am. So if I, the Lord, and the teacher washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet as well. For I gave you this as an example so that you should do in turn as I did to you. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. Proper leadership and and use of authority chooses to serve instead of being served. My dad told me whenever we were here and I would do ministry together, he told me this. He said, son, he said, people will always go where you show them, but they won't go where you tell them. That's why, listen, if we have a work day at this church, I promise you I will be here. I will be sweaty. I mean, I sweat doing about anything, but I'll be here working and I'll be sweaty. You know why? Because I can't ask people to show up and work if I'm unwilling to work. Listen, let me tell you something. I have no problem asking anyone in this church to do any job that needs to be done in this church because there is not one single job, including have to watch a nursery, that I have not done in the church. When the church was really young, I was the chief cook, bottle washer, uh, toilet cleaner. And I did all of it for no paycheck. So I can tell you this, I will never ask anyone, listen, if you want to talk about stacking chairs, I have stacked more chairs than anybody you know. I'm a pastor's kid. I've carried more folding tables than anybody you know. The the church my dad built in Navarre, we built the boxes that they used to pour the concrete under our carport. I have spent more Saturdays of my life running around a church that was being worked on since I was this tall. If if there has been a work day at a church I have been a part of, I have been at it since I was five years old. So i tell you this, I will never ask anyone to do something I have not done. And I'll be there doing it with you. Because I can't say I'm leading people if I'm not going with them. You can't lead people if you just tell them, hey, go over there. That's not leadership. That's directorship. You can't lead people if you're not willing to serve. If you are the overseer of the grumpiest department at your work, it's your fault. There's a line in a movie that I love called Remember the Titans. It says, attitude, y'all remember the line? Attitude reflects leadership. Attitude reflects leadership. If you got a bunch of salty employees, angry, grumpy employees, attitude reflects leadership. I appreciate the one amen. I'll, I'll hold on to that one. I'll hold on to that one. I'll hold on to the amen of that truth. We are called to be serving sons and daughters. Listen to this. We serve and honor God when we serve those whom God has placed us over. So I just want to serve God. You know how you serve God? Serve people. Tell how you serve God. You serve people. I, I've not found any way where you can go and you can take God a meal. We want to serve God, we serve his creation. We serve his creation. And I'll read you one more verse and I'm going to be done. I'm quitting early. Be all right. Hmm? Stretch it out while they're cooking. Now nah, we're all right. I got the stretch sign. That feels weird. I never get that sign. You know how weird it feels is when you're preaching. You get the stretch sign. Usually you get the. You get all kind of signs. You rarely get the. It's really uncommon to get that one. Stretch. Pull it out. Come on. Stretch it out. My dad used to say, you always tell people, somebody back there tapping on their watch like their watch is broken. <laughs> Matthew 20, verse 26 and 27, or 26 through 28 says this. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your willing and humble slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, paying the price to set them free for the penalty of sin. What well, does Jesus as our as our example in this look like? His level of service, his level of service was a willingness to lay his life down. I mean, Hebrews Paul says, "Which of you has, has sweated drops of blood?" And God puts us in a position of authority. We look at Jesus as example. And he was willing to be such a serving son that he laid his very life down. That we could be forgiven of our sins. Which of us has been asked by God to serve people at the level of going to a cross and taking the sin of the world upon ourselves? And there was no greater authority... Then God made flesh. Disciples said, which manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? But yet when it came time, no one took his life. He freely gave his life. When Simon Peter tried to take a sword and cut the, he was aiming for his head. But he got the ear of the soldier who came to get Jesus in the garden. Jesus said, don't you know? Put the sword away. Don't you know I could call legions, legions of angels to come and deliver me from this. But in his acts and willingness to lead and to serve, he laid it all down for the souls of man.